Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. By recording your dreams and goals on paper, you set in motion the process of becoming the person you want to be. Put your future in good hands, your own. Mark Victor Hansen. Greetings. How do do? How do do everybody? How are you? Welcome to episode 107 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henika Watkiss Porto. Today's episode is with Greg Winteregg, an internationally recognized lecturer, sales trainer, and management consultant who has spent the last 25 years specializing in working with small business owners across the US and Canada. Today, we are going to be talking about becoming a master of time, the power of delegating. Welcome, Greg, to The Entrepreneurial You. Well, Henneke, thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into our main topic, I have a little question for you. Do you have any Jamaican friends? <laughs> well, I have uh, a couple of clients, uh, dental clients that are from Jamaica. Yeah. Ah, interesting. All right. Good. And no, I'm, I can go on that list as one of your list of friends, right? <laughs> oh, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. Becoming a master of time, the power of delegating. So, in a previous episode, maybe two weeks ago, I had a conversation with Laura Vanderkam and we looked at some of the strategies successful people use in managing time. Now, today we're going to go beyond managing time to mastering it, mastering time. Can we really master time, though? Well, I believe you can. I mean, I'm a, <clears throat> a partner in one company, CEO of a nonprofit, CEO of another company, so every day I have a lot to get done and um, I actually still have free time. So I'd like to share with your audience today some of uh, the techniques that I use that help me get a lot done in every day, every week, every month and every year. Mm, so you're going to teach us now how to become ultra productive. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. So you did mention your company. You can go ahead and share your company with us and tell us a little of what you do. My background is in dentistry. I graduated from dental school in 1981. And I became a client at a practice management company 11 years later and was not doing all that well in business. And I learned some business basics, just of marketing, sales, organization, management, et cetera. And within 12 months, I was semi-retired at age 38. And I was actually looking to open up a second dental practice. And the management company offered me a partnership. So I took them up on their offer. And today that company is now arguably the largest in North America. We have clients in 48 states and five provinces in Canada. Uh, we've helped thousands of dentists. And now at age 63, I've kind of worked myself out of a job there. We have 78 staff, 55,000 square foot building, uh, two locations, um, one on the West Coast and uh, another in St. Petersburg, Florida. And rather than retire, I have so much fun doing what I'm doing. I started another company called Matterhorn Business Development. And what Matterhorn does is work with general business owners, not just dentists. And it really is just a small business. Uh, a dental practice is a small business. And so we're teaching 
general business clients uh, and startups, uh, whatever. Uh, mainly our target market is companies one to 25 million, uh, just general business basics and, and helping them grow and expand. And by all means, mastering time is, is a key to expansion and stability. Absolutely. And many times we confuse being busy with being productive. And now you're going to just talk us through how to become ultra productive. Yeah. So here's what I've noticed. Everything. I, I have a new book coming out, Fun at Work. And I wrote the book based on successes and, and mistakes that I've made. And what I noticed, I, I feel like I don't have enough time when number one, there's something I need to decide about and I'm not deciding. I'm thinking about it during the day. Maybe I'm talking about it with my wife at dinner. I wake up in the middle of the night. And what I actually realized one day is I'm just wasting time. What I'm trying to do is like figure out what could go wrong or, or should I do it or not do it. And so the number one factor for me in being effective with my time is decide. So whenever there's a decision to make, it may be uh, a new direction to take the company, a new promotional campaign, uh, even in order to give to a staff member. It's like I need to decide what it is I want done here and then just decide and pretty much have an attitude of it doesn't matter the consequences. We just need to get going. So number one for me in being efficient with my time is deciding and deciding in minutes, not hours, days, weeks or months, it's just like. I decide. So number one, decide because anything else is just a waste of time. Number two, after you decide, you have to start. You have to get going. You have to take action. You have to get moving. And it's really awesome. There's so many uh, different ways to have different day timers. You can use a paper uh, book. You can use a journal. You can use digital nowadays. But the key is you have to get started. And so then if your technique is to write things down and you have your daily battle plan, okay, that's awesome. I have mine too, but it's all in the direction of getting things going, getting started on the decision that was just made. Now, what that means is if you're making decisions this rapidly, sometimes you could make a wrong decision. But what I have found is within a day or two or maybe a week or two, I'm going to know if it was the right decision or not. If it wasn't, I'm not so heavily invested in it that I can't just stop, back up, go in a different direction, tweak it, you know, figure out a new angle rather than sit around for two or three weeks trying to figure out what am I doing or decide if I'm doing it or not. So for me, the first two key factors are you have to decide and you have to start. And then when you start, you're going full bore, full speed ahead. You're assessing your progress. You're looking at numbers, you know, you're monitoring, you know, with all the statistics that Facebook or whoever is going to give you and you're deciding if it was a good decision or not. And then you're, you can pivot quickly and get right back at it again, going in a different direction. So mm -hmm. for me, that's how I handle so, so much in one day, I make a decision and I start. Absolutely. So you're going to continue, but I just want to just also comment right here that somebody asked me the other day, how are you so successful in all the things that you're doing and you're so consistent? Yeah. And that's exactly what I said to the person. I said to her that, look, the first thing for me, I recognize that it's a decision. That's yes. uh, that's it. Once I decide, 
And and like you say, don't take too long to decide. Don't try to figure it out because I normally say that the, the, the distance between, the longer the distance between ideation and execution, the more likely it is that there will be no execution at all. And Mel yep. Robbins talk about that five second rule that you just go at it, just decide. And absolutely, I agree with that. And once you decide, just start. Absolutely. Because what I've noticed is I, I would sit around, I would make a list of everything that could go wrong. And if this goes wrong, what would I do about it? And if that goes wrong, what would I do about that? And then I get started and something else goes wrong that I hadn't even thought of. And it was just a complete waste of time to try and be careful and play it safe. So I'm not jumping out of an airplane without uh, a, a parachute. So I'm not being crazy and taking that kind of a risk. But you have to get started and then you'll adjust it as you move along. And so trying to be careful, play it safe and figure out everything that could go wrong and how you'll react is actually just a waste of time. Absolutely. So you've talked about that deciding factor. You just decide, you just, yeah. I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I mean, I tend to tell people that the how is not a problem. It's not my business. It will be figured out later. Just ensure that my why is intact. Why am I doing this? Once I know why I'm doing this, I'm deciding to do it. How it is yes. going to be done will be figured out later. That's none of my business. That will come eventually, you know. That's Everything, right. um, the universe will, will conspire to help me accomplish what it is that I need to accomplish. But we talked about deciding and starting on all of that. And perhaps there are other things that you want to mention as well. We have now decided, we've started. And all this thing, all these different elements are coming at us and we don't have enough time to do things and get things done and we become overwhelmed. Now, the yes. question is, what can we do with that overwhelm? How do we rise above that overwhelm? Fantastic question. So this happened to me, uh, it happens to me a lot. Uh, my most successful action in being as active as I am in so many different activities is I surround myself with competent people. And my rule for living is I'm always looking for my replacement. I'm always looking for someone who can take something that I'm doing off my plate. So I'm always looking for my replacement. Now, what that means, if we, if we dial it back to the very, very basic, you have to have somebody who has the same purpose for doing what it is that you're doing. So in my dental practice, it was my purpose to help people keep their teeth because people with teeth live longer than people without teeth. You just chew better, you digest better. So I surrounded myself, everybody in my team wanted to help people live longer. So then when the business doubled, I had to get an associate and I interviewed five different associates until I found the one who was interested in what I was interested in and the others had other goals and ideas, but I was looking for that basic purpose, like the purpose of, of why you're helping somebody. And so in every cause that I get behind, I have a basic purpose of who am I helping and what problem I am, am I helping this particular group solve, this particular market, this particular niche in the market? What problem am I helping them solve? And then I'm going to hire some people and I'm going to make sure that they're there, not just for their paycheck, but they're there to help me forward my purpose. And the very first thing I do is I give them the vision. 
This is where this company is going. This is what we're doing. Here's the next five-year plan. And I have to see their eyebrows go up. I have to see them get excited. But if during that interview, they're like, oh, wow, that really sounds nice. So um, can you tell me what the benefits are? <laughs> I'm, I'm really not interested. And, and my staff get benefits. My staff get bonus. My staff get paid very well. But they have to be as excited about the purpose as I am. So then I know when I delegate something to them, it's going to get done the way I would do it. And they're not just going through the motions, you know, nine to five, get their check, et cetera. They aren't just going through the motions. They're there to really accomplish the purpose of this organization as much as I am. And so I say, listen, I need this end result. Do you need any ideas? Do you need any suggestions? So I am a results-oriented guy. If I'm going to delegate, I'm like, this is the end result that I need. You can go ahead and toss your own ideas in there. I, I give suggestions, obviously, but I am not a micromanager. I'm a macro manager. And so when I delegate, I'm like, okay, this is where we're going. This is the purpose of the company. This is the end result that we need. Any questions? They're like, no, I think I got some ideas. Good, go. And then I get update reports sometimes by the day, uh, if we have a deadline, maybe by the hour, but then I get updates and they're doing good. And if they're happy, then I'm just letting them roll. So I monitor their progress and don't ignore them. But, but for me, the bottom line is if I'm going to delegate, I'm delegating to somebody who believes in the mission of the organization and is committed to that or that mission as much as I am. And then I'm very comfortable delegating that. What can delegating, I mean, that's, you know, that's amazing. And it's pretty much succession planning, you know, always looking for the person who can replace you. And that's important. Now, what really is that science? You know, let's take it, peel it back. Talk us through the science of delegating. There are things that you are good at that maybe are impossible to delegate. And, you know, certain skills that you have. But there are things that you do that are very easy to delegate. And we can just break it down to um, growing up, I bought my first bicycle by cutting the grass. So I can cut grass. I don't cut grass anymore. <laughs> I, I, I haven't cut grass in 35 years. Not that I can't, but that's a skill that others have that I can easily delegate. And so I can delegate delivering and picking up my dry cleaning, et cetera. The, those basics I can easily delegate. Now, if we roll it back into the business, there are certain things on the job that can easily be delegated. Answering the phone, um, leaving messages, sending out uh, faxes or email. So, so what you'd have to do when you're delegating is you write down everything that, you're, that you do in a day. And then just randomly, just on a piece of paper, write down everything that you do. Okay, now take that. It's easier on a computer with a Word document. And now list it by things that are going to be the most difficult to turn over to someone else and delegate. All the way down on a gradient to the most easy items to turn over to someone else. And then you start at the bottom with the easiest items and you start turning them over and then you're going to hit two or three things where some you're going to have to teach somebody. You may have to come in on your day off. You may have to stay late. You may have to write something up. You may have to shoot a video. You're going to have to train. 
that time's going to be well invested though. If that person is there with the purpose of helping your group of, of customers, that person is there with your same purpose. And so you're going to invest time. You're going to invest minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, even it might take six months to get particular skill turned over, but then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And then you put that person on a base salary with production bonuses, et cetera. They're happy. They have a game. They're having fun. They're enjoying helping the customer. They're accomplishing the basic purpose. They feel like they are now more valuable because they learned a new skill and they can take it to the next level. And just my, my trick, my secret is I'm always looking for people who are committed to my purpose. And then the ones that want more responsibility, the ones that want to, you know, dedicate themselves more to the cause. I spend time with them. I train them and then I give them responsibility and turn things over to them. Absolutely. So essentially what that does for you, you're happier because you get to offload and you become more productive, even ultra productive. But not only that, not only that, people who are more engaged, you know, are are more likely to be higher level performers. And once they feel like they've been, you know, they're a part of what you're building, they've bought into the vision, then again, it helps them to become more productive. So it's a win-win for everybody. Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. See, and then what I'm doing uh, is I'm establishing somebody that now has a career. They don't have a job. So Mm. when they're working for me and they are at that level, this is their career. Yeah, they, they get paid and they can call it their job, but now it becomes their career. It becomes their mission in life. It becomes their purpose as well as mine. Now, not everybody is going to want to take the purpose of the company to that level. And that's fine. We by all means need all different skill levels in the company, but I'm always looking for that person who can take over for me. And as you're training people, there's going to be those who like you give them a task to do and they do the task plus more like, well, you know, while I was at it, I decided to just go ahead and do D. You told me to do A, B, and C, but while I was there, I thought, well, I might as well just do D. And so they bring me back more. Okay, guess what? That person gets the next bigger assignment, the next bigger task. And I'm looking for somebody then that can take over the whole operation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what came to mind as you share that was, you know, I am a sociologist, really, in, in, mm-hmm. in theory. <laughs> yeah. And I loved um, the theory of Karl Marx's alienation of labor. And when you take away people's work, because really it's their creativity. So when you limit them to a particular thing and they don't get to fully engage, as we've been talking about earlier, is yeah. that they, you know, there's an alienation of labor that happens and they're just like feeling like like robots, you know? Yes. And so it is, it's very important that your employees, your team members feel that they are engaged and actively, they're actively part of the process of what you're building. Now, it's easy to say, let's delegate, you know, and you have all these activities that you want to offload or you think you can be more productive if you offload. Now, how do we really delegate? Take us through the process of delegating. Yes. So if I have, I mean, and and we're going to to take away, well, we can even look at it. Let's just look at answering the phone. Let's start with something easy. So then I have a way that I want the telephone answered. I write it down. uh, I show them how to answer the phone. I'll answer the phone myself a few times, show them how to do it. Then I watch them do it. And they have to like 
get it right or, or at least get it close. And of course, they're going to stumble or whatever. But when I give somebody a task, I show them how to do it. And then I watch them do it. I correct them while they're doing it. And then I'm going to move off for a little bit, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, come back and check on them. And so kind of like leaving them alone for a little bit more time. Now, now this is a critical factor and this is hard as an owner. It's hard as a manager and a boss, but I'm sorry if they're not getting the, the most basic, the easiest things within the first 30 minutes to an hour and they're still stumbling and they're still fumbling, they're on the wrong job. It's just different skill. Mm -hmm. So intrinsic in what you're saying is that there has to be some form of system. So the more systemized your business is so that you can probably say these are the, the three steps to answering the phone. One, two, three. You know, yes. you, you, you you smile on this. You, you pick it up on the second ring. You smile and then you say, you know, whatever script there is. So yes. there has to be or ideally there should be some form of system so that it can be easily duplicated and replicated. And it has to be written down. It has to be in writing. You know, hi, thank you for calling ABC Company today. How may I help you? Okay, that's how they're going to start. But then within, you know, a day or two, hi, thank you for calling ABC Company today. How may I help you? Right. Then it becomes more normal. And you're going to have to be patient with them as they're learning. But just to, to stick with that, so I answer the phone I show them how to do it. I have the script. It's written down in front of them. And they go, um, hi, um, uh, ABC Company, um, Jane here. What's up? And I'm like, okay, that wasn't even close. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, okay, so so they completely botched that. And I watch them botch it. So before the phone rings again, we practice. And we practice. And then the phone rings again, and they're not even close. I, I'm, I'm kind of done in the first 15 minutes, honestly, because this is going nowhere. So if I've done my job well, and I've got it written down, and in many jobs, if it, if it can't be communicated in writing, today we have video. So you pull out your iPhone, and you have somebody videotape you doing this function, and then you show them, and then you show them the video, then you watch them do it, you do it. And then the video is there when you leave for them to go back and watch it again and again. So it all comes down to training materials if you're going to be able to delegate. And earlier you talked about in the process of delegating that you surround yourself with competent people. Now, that is also telling me that, one, you can't allow your ego. You can't be insecure, super insecure, because surrounding yourself with competent people, if you're insecure and you're going to think, oh my gosh, you're going to do this better than I can do it. And you know, the attention is not going to be on me. So you mm -hmm. need to be able to move past that. And interestingly, you know, sadly too, you have a lot of accomplished CEOs and uh, persons of influence who are insecure about allowing other people who are, you know, they say you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And some people yeah. really don't want to spend their time with persons who are more, um, who competent than them, you know, are brighter in certain areas because of insecurity. So let's touch on, um, finally insecurities and delegation. Okay. So you, you make a very good point. And there are people out there who will never delegate because they're afraid someone will get better than them. And that person is going to be the solopreneur. They're going to work by themselves. They're um, individuated from others. I don't have a cure 
for that amount of insecurity, I, other than I can say knock it off, <laughs> but that, <laughs> that usually doesn't end it. So um, those folks, I, I'm not quite sure what to do with those. Uh, I have no problem with somebody doing something better than me because I have things that I'm better at than them. And my viewpoint with me as being the leader, an owner, a CEO of, of a company, of an organization, my job is vision. My job is future. My job is connections, making the next connection, making the next big account. Uh, so my job is focused outside the company. I'm going to hire people to focus inside the company and do things better than me. I've got no problem with that because that frees me up to have my attention outside the company. So it's just a, a, a management style for sure. Uh, the insecure folks will probably have smaller organizations. It's not a blanket statement. There are no absolutes. But I'm just saying uh, just get over it and be happy when you found somebody who can do something better than you. Just give them more responsibility, more responsibility, and they'll take the marketing department to a level that I never could. They'll take the sales department to a level that I never could. That's great. That gives me more time to focus on the future of the company, the vision of the company, scaling it up faster uh, because I'm, I'm not going to stay home and do nothing because I have a basic purpose for being there, certain number of people that I'm going to help. So I'm going to be there and doing things that they aren't as good at. All right. So let's wrap it up right here and talk sure. about becoming a master of time, the power of delegating and tie that into the bottom line of the company. Well, <clears throat> The bottom line, if, if you're going to have a company that is going to continue to grow and expand or even be stable, you've got to master your time and you have to be able to delegate. And I hope some of the basics that we've talked about today really help your listeners because as far as I'm concerned, this is the key to not being overworked, the key to not being stressed out, the, the key to not being overwhelmed is you have to master time. And you have to master delegation. Mm, absolutely. And put those together and you are a winner. <laughs> absolutely. And then you have time to, to do more creative activities or take a vacation, maybe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what an interesting, what an interesting time I've spent with Greg Winteregg. And it's been really enlightening. And I enjoy having this conversation thoroughly, thoroughly. Greg, just take a moment and share with us. I want to thank you, first of all, for coming. Well, thank again, you for having right? me. So I very much enjoyed it. Absolutely. Now take a minute and share your contact information and your final, you know, details. I know you have a book that you want to, um, to also share it. Right. Right. So I have taken my successful actions and my mistakes and I've compiled them into my new book, Fun at Work. And we're looking for a March the 5th launch date. I'm not quite sure exactly when you, this broadcast is going to roll out. But your listeners can go to funatworkthebook.com and get a pre-release copy. And basically the way I've set up the book is as an exercise. So there's going to be exercises to do at the end of every chapter for real-life practical application, uh, you can go to our website, Fun at Work the Book. You can get a free PDF download after you buy it and uh, really start to apply my philosophies, my theories, and my successful actions to the life of every reader. People, if they would like, can also get a hold of me personally at my email address. It's Greg, G-R-E-G, -E 
at matterhornbizdev.com. That's M-A-T-T-E-R-H-O-R-N-B-I-Z-D-E-V.com. Matterhornbizdev.com. I'd be happy. I'll, I'll personally reply to all the emails. And um, I hope your listeners enjoy my book. Absolutely. Thank you again, Greg. Hey, I'm happy to be here, Hanika. And thank you, my peak performers, for tuning in to this episode with Greg Winteregg. I look forward to connecting with you next week. As you know, LeaderCast Kingston is coming up again. Yes, I have been saying that. LeaderCast Kingston is happening May 10 at the Nutsford Court Hotel. And there is a 20% discount on tickets right now. We are this year looking at the theme leading healthy teams you don't want to miss that you don't want to miss gail king at all oprah's she's from oprah's magazine editor at large at oprah's magazine you don't want to miss that you don't want to miss andy stanley you don't want to miss these amazing speakers nine speakers in total will be coming to you talking about organizational health so Again, go to HennekaWatkinsporter.com and you can find all the details, including how to get your discounted tickets. See you there. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win. Prepare to win and expect to win. What good? <laughs>